Hi guys, welcome to 10 Things You Didn't Know. Um, a thing, a, a little, a little episode of just compilations of 10 things that you did not know about different characters. Um, today our episode is Undertale themed, so let's start. 10 things you didn't know about Sans. All these articles are found on thegamer.com. Um, awesome website, you can find so many things on there. Alright. Undertale is one of those indie games that managed to defy the odds to reach an enormous audience on the strength of its content. Not many games, indie or otherwise, have such a devoted fan base. By devoted, I, um, I get what you mean there, buddy. Fan base is cursed. Part of Undertale's lasting appeal is that it's easy for fans to form an emotional connection with its lovable cast of characters. This is so true. The wisecracking skeleton Sans is probably the most well-known character from the game. Sans is one of the few indie game characters to appear at all in Super Smash Ultimate. Fans have um fans have created endless amount endless amounts of spe- spectacular fan art of the character, and I mean spectacular. This person is not joking. There is spectacular epic fan art some of the realistic ones actually scare me look at what and he's a great candidate for the undertale cosplay <laughs> that's funny okay um here are some things that you don't really you know some little known facts about everyone's favorite punster warning to those who haven't le- yet played this to completion spoilers ahead okay his hp count is one everyone knows that you know um, he has extremely low defense stats for such a formidable boss. Um, yeah, one shot, he's dead. The player cannot choose his name. At the start of Undertale, the human has the choice to name the fallen human. Just about any unused name can be chosen with no comment from the game, but some strange things happen when the player tries to use the names of Undertale characters. Naming the fallen human Sans is not an option at all. If they try to do it, it's just, nope. He plays a trombone. We know. If the player chooses to go on a date with Papyrus, one of the best parts of the game, they find themselves in the home that he shares with Sans. Papyrus will declare with pride that he has increased the height of his sink to allow him to store more bones, but upon investigation, the annoying dog will be found helping himself to said bones. Sans sticks his head out to pit play a brief trombone commentary on the situation, you know, wah, 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 prompting Papyrus to yell at him to stop plaguing my life with incidental music. <laughs> his left eye shows his powers, what? player progresses far into their battle, Sans will hit them with an attack that telekinetically throws them around the battle screen. While he does this, his left eye will flash blue and yellow. These colors represent patience and justice in the game, both of which Sans makes of use, use of in his boss battle. Throughout the game, Sans will wink at the player when he makes a joke. If the player chooses a pacifist run, Sans will wink with his left eye, protecting the player from his eye powers. During the boss battle, though, he'll only wink with his right eye, keeping his left 
able to use his kinetic, telekinetic attack. His special attack is nothing. Okay. Throughout the game, Sans and a few other characters, um, especially Papyrus, will comment on his laziness. Laziness. I love how he comments on his own laziness. I comment on my own laziness. Despite working multiple jobs, tracking the player's whereabouts, and keeping tabs on his brother, Sans will insist that he's lazy. Keeping tabs on his brother? It's me! It's literally me! Oh my god! I'm like, yeah, I'm super lazy. When really, like, I spend hours working on, um, like, extracurricular stuff, making sure my sister is happy. I have so much to do. Oh well. It makes perfect sense then that his final attack during his boss battle is nothing. He simply waits for the player to get bored, even falling asleep in the process. He's a master tricyclist. Tri there we go. If the player successfully completes a true passive ascending, I did. They will be treated to scenes of their favorite characters engaging in activities on, in their new lives on the surface. One of those features, Papyrus driving happily down the highway in a sports car until Sans shows up. Sans easily overtakes Papyrus on his tricycle. Either he's got a magic tricycle, or Sans is making use of his space-time space bending abilities to laugh his brother. <laughs> he would. His attack is related to W.D. Caster, also known as his father. Throughout the game... If the player is lucky enough, I have not been yet, sad enough. They might find references to one of the game's best secrets. A mysterious character named W.D. Gaster. I have an, I'm going to make an entire episode about him, so don't worry if you're unsure about who he is. This character was the royal scientist in the underground before Alphys, and has inexplicably disappeared from the world foiled by one of his own experiments. I'm going to explain a tiny bit about this. Um, in the in the fan series Hand Plates, I've watched all four seasons, so I know all this. Don't worry. Um, it, Sans and Papyrus are actually experiments. The reason it's called Hand Plates is because um, Gaster has actually placed um, tracking plates on the back of their hands. Um, you know, it's quite um, quite simple. Um, but yeah, like I said, we'll have an entire episode about that. So if you're, um, if you're like, who's W.D. Gaster? Don't go look it up. Just wait a little bit. <laughs> Although the nature of their relationship is never explained, Sans has a number of minor connections to Gaster in the game. One of those is the hugely destructive weapon that he deploys should the player have to battle him. Sans unleashes multiple cannons, each in the shape of a terrifying face that shoots beams of energy out its mouth. The sprite files for those cannons name them as Gaster Blasters. He breaks the fourth wall. Mm. Undertale loves to blur the lines between reality and gaming, and a few of its characters add to that by appearing dire to directly address the player. Sans is one of them. During the battle with Sans, the player can easily die and have to restart multiple times, approaching Sans multiple times from the sun-drenched corridor outside Asgore, Asgore's room. This is just one of the times that Sans will comment snarkily about save files 
in the number of player deaths, showing that he's just as aware of the game's mechanics as the player is, or maybe even more. He's left-handed. Huh? Well, this can't be verified. There's a very good chance that Sands is a lefty. Hey, lefty bro. He uses his left hand many times throughout the game when it's likely he would use his dominant hand. These include during battle when he uses his left hand to control his psychic attack on a player, and his very and the very first time the player meets him in Snowden when Sans offers his left hand for Frisk to shake. He bends the laws of physics. Oh my god. <laughs> He's so cool, he bends the laws of physics. Several times during the course of the game, Sans will appear to teleport from one location to another. He also mentions various shortcuts to the player, involve him fast traveling from one location to another. These could be dismissed as just simple video game magic, but that's not Undertale. Yeah, you know, the, like, video game magic where the screen, like, boo, boop, and it seems like you teleported, like how Animal Crossing does it? That's not Undertale. Sans is actually a metaphysics expert knowledgeable, not, okay, I gotta stop talking so fast. Sans is actually a metaphysics expert knowledgeable in the ways of space-time manipulation in the universe. Multiverse, sorry. He brings up alternate realities in conversation as well as mentioning them during his boss battle, and there is evidence of him being involved in scientific experiments in both his secret workspace in Snowden, hint, hint, and the secret lab in the core. Okay. That was a lot of talking. So, we can't have Sans without Papyrus. Right? It's just not a thing. Ten things you didn't know about Papyrus. So, let's start. He's actually inspired by the Helvetica webcomic. In 2011, a webcomic was released by J.N. Weedle called Helvetica which featured skeletons speaking in the Helvetica typeface. Toby Fox was inspired by the comic and, as a parody, created both Sans and Papyrus. As a parody, both characters were named after a respected typeface and would use them as their dialogue in Undertale. Um, as you can see, actually, um, one of the characters... Well, you can't see it. But if you look up the Helvetica comic, one of the characters actually has the same shape face as Papyrus. Weedle is referenced in the credits after you finish the true pacifist run as a special inspiration to the game. Papyrus's conception also came from the minds of Toby Fox and freelance illustrator, illustrator Temmy Chang, who is the main artist for Undertale. Yeah, Temmy, that sounds familiar, right? Yeah. A glitch can actually change his font. Undertale is considered one of the best modern retro games. God, that's... well. It does have a couple of glitches. One of these involves papyrus and one of these involves papyrus and speaking without using his papyrus font. This takes place just before he forces Undyne to befriend you. The way to do this is as follows. So get out get out your systems, get out your switches, get out your PCs, get out your Xboxes, your your Playstations, get out get out your systems real quick. Okay? Now, before befriending Undyne, Stand on either side of Papyrus and confirm the hangout. Then speak to the mad dummy and walk up to Papyrus from behind. 
This will cause it to occur, but will only last until Undyne answers the door. Lots of early changes were made. Lots. See, in the early development of the indie game, Virus was going to be called Times New Roman and would have spe spoken in that time typeface instead. But, you know, no. Despite being one of the nicest characters in the game, Papyrus was originally going to be a creep who had no redeeming qualities. He was also supposed to be wearing a fedora. But you can actually only see this in the um, Undertale art book sold on Fangamer and probably on, if Toby Fox has a website there. Um, I'm not entirely sure, though. So, yeah, um, that's a little little tad bit about Papyrus. Um... Because, you know, it's like, the character style didn't suit the game. It didn't, it didn't suit it. Okay? So, you know, it's really hard to think of your nice, the, the nicest, the, the greatest, the, the great papyrus as, as a meme. It's really hard. But, that was actually his original design, so, fun facts. He has unique dialogue. While every character has an address next to their dialogue while talking, Papyrus is the only character without one. His dialogue is also shaky, which gives the implication he is one of the main characters in the game. <sighs> I'm tired. <sighs> he also breaks the fourth wall. Such as during dating fights. When it tells you to press C on your keyboard to bring up your dating HUD. He is one of the only characters in the game to use all capital letters when talking. The other exception of this is Metaton. There is a lot of mystery about his past. See, during dating fight, um, he has a line. It would be tragic to lose your friendship. That's how the article starts. I mean, not article, this tad bit. Besides being the character with the most dialogue and plenty of things to say about the things he loves, there's not much known about Papyrus's past. As you play through Undertale, you will learn a lot of characters' pasts before they came to Snowden, like Toriel. However, no detail is given on Papyrus about who he was before. The only context can be found is that he and his brother Sans showed up in Snowden one day. With his hardworking nature, and aspiration to make friends, Papyrus's past character could be that of a lonely person. I'm sorry, this is, this is like, I've read this article before, and it's like, it's sad, because, um, like, like, I can't imagine, like, like, him being so, like, lonely, like, the, 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 the um, like, the spirited, the, like, the aspiration and the happiness that you always see in Papyrus, when he starts to get emotional, it, it, it makes you emotional because it's like, are you okay? Do you need a hug? Phone calls with Papyrus reveal lots of different information. One item you have on your person is a phone, and you can call certain characters. Calling Papyrus lets you learn different things about him, which are quite hilarious. You can find out that Papyrus has an imaginary store that sells flames, conveyor belts, and lasers, which are his favorite, and, um, flame that sells flames and, okay, you can find out that 
Papyrus has an imaginary store that sells flames. Um, learn about conveyor belts. And the lasers are his least favorite nightmare. And he has a disdain for anime despite never seeing it. Other phone calls will see Papyrus telling you he thinks skeletons are cuddly and that ghosts are spooky. Furthermore, Papyrus can't remember Napstablook's name and tries to guess it over the phone with Spooky Blue Blue being a name given. Oh, Spooky Blue Blue. Oh, I love that. He breaks the laws of physics, just like his brother. Yeah. He can literally do acrobatic stunts that basically defy the laws of physics. I defy you. Um, you know, he jumps out, um, <laughs> on that <nice> window. <laughs> and does a free... <laughs> this is too funny. Okay. And he does... <laughs> he does a flippity-flop. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh god. <laughs> okay, this is too funny. Okay. He can manipulate his own own stats. Yeah. No other character can do this. Not even Sans, the most powerful character in the game. Or so you think. See, Papyrus is known to be the most powerful character in the game. Or like even though his attacks normally don't do much damage, he can manipulate them um he also has a lot of references um to a lot of different things and he's just i actually have a theory that papyrus is the real main character think about it he it, he appears like everywhere you can call him at any point in time except for muffet and um the judgment hall i believe other than that you can call him at Anytime. Anytime. No matter what, Papyrus is always there for you. And there are also a lot of signs pointing to the fact that he is, he's like got a mysterious past. Like, I know, I know, but, but Pigs. Sans has a more mysterious past. No, he doesn't. Because he actually has details about his past that we as a fandom know. Papyrus actually has no detail except that he might have been a lonely person yeah he's a contradictory character despite stating his contempt for his brother's puns papyrus actually makes makes 14 puns throughout undertale in comparison to sansa's six yeah six and he is one of the most honorable characters in game even if you hurt him just all he says is still i believe in you and if you look at undertale the musical you can see that he says you can do a little bit better he's he's persistent and stays outside undine's house all night to try and convince her to let him become a guard and instead gets cooking lessons he's one of the bravest characters in game, even when faced with his own death. He believes greatly in others, and especially the protagonist, who he hopes can be set on the right path upon Papyrus's death. 
His continued belief and kindness set him above many of the other characters, and is one of the most sincere video game characters in general. Can we please have a moment of silence for Papyrus? All the Papyruses and all the timelines that have been killed. Oh, seven Papyrus. So we're going to move on. So now we're going to move on to Metaton. Undertale is a phenomenon. Okay, um, by the way, all of these are written by Talisa, Talisa Blackman. Yes. So, um, he was once a ghost. Metaton wasn't always a robot with a soul. He was once a ghost similar to Napstablook, although fan art usually depicts him as pink instead of white. As a ghost, he befriended Alphys, and she eventually created a body, or several, for him. Metaton bonded with the body, allowing him to become corp- corporeal, and allowing him, um, oh. and this is the version that Frisk meets and or fights in the game. He has in-game cousins. There are several prominent families in Undertale, Sans and Papyrus, Asgortorial, and Azrael. Papyrus may not- Papyrus. Players- may not know that Metaton also has in-game family. He's the cousin of Napstablook. Papyrus refers to Metaton in one conversation as Hapstablook, and used to help him run the family snail farm. This also means he is the cousin of another ghost that Frisk encounters later in the game, Mad Dummy. This ghost also becomes corporeal, but only if you make, it, if you make him mad enough by doing a so-called genocide run and killing all the monsters. It's the only way he becomes corporeal. He has an in-game house. Metaton doesn't just roam the underground looking for humans to kill, and he doesn't live in the laboratory with Alphys in Hotland. At least, he didn't always. He has a house, house in Waterfall, right next to Napstablooks. The house is locked, but it is possible to eventually get inside. Players can purchase a mystery key from Braddy and Caddy in Hotland. This key unlocks Metaton's house, and players can get inside <sighs> to look at his stuff and read his diaries. He is undateable. You can't date him. Many of the characters in Undertale have the option for the player to get to know them better by going on a date with them. You know, you can eat spaghetti with Papyrus, visit the dump with Alphys. There are a lot of, also, you know, of course, undying. <sighs> Sad, because no such option exists with Metaton. Not only is he undateable, but he doesn't care at all for your affections. In one portion of Metatonia's battle, battle the player must write an essay. If the player enters I love you, Metaton will hand wave the confe- confession, responding with, what a touching confession, I'll add it to the pile. Um, rude. Metaton is always going on about his popularity, but it's not all showmanship. He's also friends with many of the other monsters, including Alphys, Undyne, and Shiren. 
He shares a love of entertainment with the reluctant songstress monster. If the player completes a true pacifist ending, Metaton even forms a touring band with Shiren and Napstabook and possibly Burger Pants, allowing Shiren to realize her singing goals outside of the underground. He loves humans. Metaton will reference different origin stories depending on what kind of run the player chooses, but based on most, most of the information, he's not out to kill all humans, he just wants to entertain them. In fact, the player can discover that at one point previous to the game, Metaton loved humans so much that he started a human fan club. He's a glam rocker. Yeah, you go, boy. Metaton first appears as a box with arms and legs, with moving lights on his primitive screen functioning as his face. <laughs> At one point during the battle, the player has a chance to flip a switch on Metaton's back, transforming him into Metaton EX. Metaton's new humanoid look is clearly modeled after a glam rockers from the 80s, with the high-heeled boots, aggressive shoulder pads, and perfectly sculpted eyebrows. The Quencher is the title of the song that plays by during Metaton's appearance. Death by Glamour. He doesn't only have two forms. He has three. The third one can only be accessed if the player attempts a genocide run. Taking its cue from the classic JRPGs, third form features the aggressively enhanced um, Metaton Neo, with wings, spike joints, and a weapon for a hand. You know, friggin' blaster. Um, Metaton Neo is actually extremely weak. Um, any attack that connects will immediately one-shot him. Fun fact. Legs are his favorite feature. <laughs> Legs. I, I don't want to say more. He defies gender norms. Okay? He's He defies gender norms. I love him. He's beautiful. He's beautiful, okay? Before he was a killer robot with killer legs, Metaton was a ghost that kept multiple diaries and lived in an all-pink house. As Metaton X wears high-heeled bo pink boots, and sports a glamorous hairstyle and makeup, leading to um, leading some fans to whether wonder whether Metaton might be coded as genderqueer or trans. Despite these antiquated signifiers of femininity, Metaton is referred to he/him in every exchange. The idea of a subtly genderqueer or trans character is undoubtedly a cool one that fits with Undertale's MO. So is the idea. That Metaton is simply a he who loves pink heels. It's me. It's literally me because, like, I am actually trans, but I love pink heels. I will wear them all day long. They're beautiful. I love them. They are amazing. Oh my god. So this episode is stretching to be about 30 minutes long, so I'll give you guys a little break. Come back in about a minute. Alright, welcome back. Alright, so, 10 things you didn't know about Alfie's. 
Undertale is obviously a vibe. I... Undertale builds social interaction into its gameplay, and although curiosity will drive many a player to try their hand at a genocide run, Undertale's message is clear in its prioritization of kindness and forgiveness. Although it has charismatic heroes, this game also makes case for the little guy, the gentle souls, for eccentrics and oddballs. Alphys is one of those oddballs. Undertale makes it easy for players to identify with Alphys, despite or maybe because of her flaws. Like most humans, she makes numerous mistakes, with some terrible consequences, and her reaction to those mistakes is to shut herself off from the people who care about her the most. Have you ever heard of the Six Bones AU? No? Okay. Well, um... It's, it's, um, just look it up. I don't, I don't want to explain it because one of the animations I saw about it actually made me cry. Because, um, it reminded me of losing my best friend. Um, so, like, talking about it sometimes actually, um, like, gets me emotional. But, um, her, yeah, her reaction to some of her mistakes is just to shut herself off. From the people that care about her most. Whether the player knows an Alphys or is an Alphys themselves is worth sparing a minute, pun intended, to learn more about her. She was best friends with Braddy and Caddy. They describe her like a big sister that used to live on their street. She studied alternate universes. Okay. There are several monsters in the underground who mention the existence of alternate universes and timelines. Most notably, the fan favorite character, Sans, and the mysterious WD Gaster and his elusive followers. Can you one moment, please? I broke my remote. Okay. It should come as no surprise that Alphys follows these, this trend, these trend. Ah, yes. This trend among scientific monsters. Upon first meeting Alphys, Metaton shows up and begins to quiz the player. One of his questions is, who does Alphys have a crush on? If the player answers that they do not know, Metaton will respond that this is correct, as Alphys has a crush on an unknowable being that does not exist. Wow. Alphys responds to this burn by protesting that this unmet being might exist in an alternate timeline where, according to her research, she might be able to meet them. I'll risk her. Well, I'm not sure what Undyne's pronouns are, but yeah. She was actually in the human fan club. The one that Metaton invented, she was in it. Yeah. She was actually originally designed to be male. Just a fun fact. Alphys is female in the game, and a great example of both a high-ranking female scientist and a queer icon in gaming. But according to a book of Undertale concept art, Alphys was originally designed to be male. Creator Toby Fox did not like the idea of the male Alphys and added some eyelashes to her design, plus her excellent polka dot dress. 
turning her into the version of Alfie's the players know and love. Throughout the game, the player can go on dates with a few of the monsters. Alfie's is one of them. While on the date, um, the player role the player role plays with Alfie's, um, pretending that she's speaking to another fascinating character, Undyne, instead. Alfie's will claim that she has excellent dating and kissing skills based on her experience with dating Sims. Alfie's, you just made me cringe, bro. I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, a character describing her simulated um, dating experience is while role-playing a conversation during a simulated dating sequence within a role-playing video game is a level of meta that is quintessentially... Okay, wait a minute. Huh? Okay. I gotta read that again. A character describing her simulated dating experiences while role-playing a conversation during a simulated dating sequence within a role-playing video game... Jesus Christ is a level of meta that is quintessentially Undertale. Good job, Toby Fox. You, you, you hurt my brain. She had a crush on Asgore. What? <laughs> Her letter motive actually plays during Undyne's battle hymn. Love you. I love you. I love, I love, I love, I love, I love this. I love this. I love this. You're so cute. She created Flowey. What? I thought Asgore created Flowey. Come again. Alfie's worked in a secret lab that the player can gain access to late in the game. Also known as True Lab. In this lab are memos describing her experiments with infusing monsters with determination mined from human souls. Player also encounters the results of those experiments, the amalgamates, monsters that were melted together as a result of too much determination. Six bones, once again, freaking six bones. If the player ventures farther into the lab, they discover a room full of yellow flowers, and memos referring to vessels. Before Alfie's was appointed by royal scientists, the role was performed by W.D. Gaster, a character has mostly disappeared by the time the events of the game who take place. The position remained vacant for some time before Alphys was given the job. While Alphys is clearly a dedicated, intelligent, and inventive scientist, she was given the royal scientist's job under false pretenses. She told Asgore that she had created... A robot with a soul. Metaton. In fact, she had only created the robot. Metaton's soul was actually a ghost who bonded with the robot body to become corporeal. She created Papyrus' puzzles. While traveling through Snowdom, Papyrus, arguably one of the best characters in the game, this is so true, he's the best, will test Frisk by having the player complete a series of puzzles while walking across the snow. He eventually offers the colored panel um, puzzle with a series of insanely complex instructions to 
follow in order to pass through. This puzzle malfunctions so that the player can walk through without any effort. If the player looks closely, a box that looks suspiciously like Metaton is stationed at the corner of the puzzle screen. The robot and its malfunction, malfunction are two cues that Alfie's was actually responsible for this puzzle's design. Anyways, that is it for this episode, guys. I really do hope you enjoyed it. Like I said, all these all these articles are found on Fangamer.com by Talisa Black. So, go look at those because they're actually, like, really, really... <sighs> Sorry, Talisa Blackman. They're actually really, really cool articles. And they're extremely detailed and they just help you learn more about the game. But like I said... That's it for this episode. I hope you have a really amazing weekend. And those of you in the USA, happy Labor Day. Um, have a nice day. Picks out.